on today's message from Harvest Church of God. God says, I'm going to do something new. I want you to be a part of something that is new. Old things are forgotten. Old things are buried. Old things are filed away and put away from you. God said, I will throw them behind my back. Praise God. God is a God that's interested in what do we do now? Where do we go from here? God's interested in the future. He's interested in you. He's interested in your home. He's interested in your family. He wants to know today, where are we going with this? Newness always brings opportunity. Always when we cross a line or go past one of the mileposts of life, there's always opportunity for change. One thing is for certain, change is in, in, inevitable. We're never permanent. We're always a work in progress. We're always dealing with things that change. I wish sometimes for something that was unchangeable. But there is only one thing that is unchangeable, and that is God's unchanging hand. The old song says to hold to God's unchanging hand. Tucked away in Isaiah, I sometimes say the gospel of Isaiah, because Isaiah has so much to say about the Messiah and has so much to say about Jesus and the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus. We have many, many records about the Christmas uh, aspects of Isaiah's gospel, as we would call it, prophecy as theologians would call it. He is called a major prophet because he saw a lot of things, and the length of his book is so uh, much larger than what we call the minor prophets. But there's nothing minor about what anyone says in the name of the Lord and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah gives us this verse in 65 of Isaiah in verse 17. Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. The former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Thirty years ago, I accompanied an executive committee member, a department head, and an administrative assistant on a trip to the Far East. I remember meeting them at the airport in Atlanta and boarding an uh, airplane and flying to Portland and then uh, boarding another plane and left Portland to go to Seoul, Korea. And as that plane and left and went out over the vast northern part of the Pacific Ocean, uh, the captain came on board and he said, ladies and gentlemen, we just left today and went into tomorrow. And... Uh, his information was, we just went through the international dateline. Now, when you travel out of one day into another day by crossing a line, then you, you learn that there are a lot of demarcations along the way that set limits and set boundaries. And you usually remember events by that line that you cross. There are sailors and there are mariners that remember the first time they ever crossed over the equatorial divide, and that is where you go across the equator and leave the northern hemisphere and go into the southern hemisphere of the globe. And most sailors can tell you, I remember the first time I ever crossed that line. We've crossed a line that they call 2021, and we're now never to go back to 2020. 
that is behind us. There's nothing we can do about 2020. It's done, it's finished, it's over, it's history. And there's nothing we can do to change what has been done and the effects of our life in that past year. On the contrary, we stand upon the precipice of a brand new year that we still have perspective and we still have opportunity to do some things and to dream some dreams and make some plans and set some sails as we preached last uh, week about what we want to accomplish in this coming year. Have you done that yet? Have you sat down and made your list out of what you want to accomplish in 2021? I hope those uh, include some spiritual goals that you've set, some about being a better Bible reader than you were in 2020, some about being a bit more dutiful person in your prayer life than maybe you were in 2020. Maybe you want to worship just a little bit better in 2021 than you did in 2020. Maybe you've got several spiritual goals that you've set, and those are admirable and those are, are to be commended, but the number one goal that we all should have is to draw near to God, just simply to draw near to God because all of those other ambitions and all of those other aspirations are encapsulated in that one notion of drawing near to God. Drawing near to God means that you settle issues that are between you and individuals and between you and God. In other words, you gain forgiveness from God and man so that you can be in right standing. One thing is for sure, you can't let the bondages of past failures dominate your future in 2021. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind me. Hey, that's a, that's a tall order, and that requires a lot of spiritual uh, energy to forget those things that are behind you. Didn't, didn't say just the bad things to forget them. He said forget the things. Forget anything of past because I don't have any power over that anymore. In other words, he's saying we should focus our attention and focus our energy upon what's going to happen in 2021 and make plans for, for that to take place. God says, I'm going to do new things. I'm a God of new things. Behold, I will do a new thing. He said, I will give you a new song to sing. There will be a new rain that will be better than the latter the, the former rain. It's going to be a, a better rain, a latter rain that's going to be more powerful, a, a rain that will be a spiritual rain that will rain down the Spirit of God upon individuals. You see, sailors tell me that they never forget that passing of the first line. We should never forget some things that are in our past. The Bible says for us to remember Calvary. Do you remember your Calvary? Don't forget your Calvary. You're going to need your Calvary in 2021. Don't forget the times that God answered prayer because those times will serve as a bastion for you in 2021. Don't ever forget those times when God supplied your need 
Remember those times because there will be some times in 2021 when you'll need God to supply your need. Don't forget scriptures that you put in your memory bank because you'll need those. You'll need some word of God in 2021. You'll need some faith and you'll need some hope and you'll need some, some energy of the Holy Spirit to help you and propel you through 2021. Don't forget that. You'll need also others. Well, I don't need anybody. Well, you're not a Christian then because Christians need people. Christians need people. Christians need one another. The Bible said love one another and care for one another. Pray for one another. Come on. The Bible is just full of one anothering. You can't get around it. Christianity is about one anothering. It really is. What God does, he does in community. I said what God does, he does in community. That's right. He does it for the church. He does it for the whole. When Jesus died, he died for the church. Yes, he did. The Bible said, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Jesus went to Calvary's cross to establish a church, a church, a community of faith of believers, and believers need believers. The Bible said, encouraging one another, binding our hearts together one with another. The Bible said there's comfort in one anothering. There's, there's grace in one anothering. Be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. There's this notion of community. What God does, he does in community. He does it for everybody. He really does. He does for one what he will do for another. He's not a respecter of persons. Yes, he will do for you what no other power can do. He will bless you. He will strengthen you. He will help you. It's good to hear testimonies of what God has done because that helps you believe he can do it for me. And most people have trouble right there. I can believe that God would do that for you, but I have trouble believing he would do it for me. Amen. That's a whole different matter, isn't it? I can nod my head and say amen when you tell me something God did for you, but for me to trust God to do that for me is a totally different matter. really is. Oh, yes, he'll do it for others, but will he do it for me? I'm here to tell you today, yes, a big Y-E-S, yes, he will do for you what he's done for others because he does what he does in community. He does it for all. He does it for every, everybody. You see, if God is our source and God is our lead and God has directed our, our path, then there's two things that every one of us in this audience here needs to do. If you're here today and you have never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus, you need to embrace by faith the fact that Jesus died for your sin and make your peace calling and election sure today. Before you leave this building, if you're not saved, you need to be saved today. The time is now and the place is here and God wants you to know the grace of God and the fullness of salvation. The other thing we can all do, if the Lord has made you a new creation, is anybody a new creature in Christ? A new creation. If God has made you a new creation and you've entered into the new life in Christ, then let us be persuaded by this new opportunity of this season to press forward into the center of his will and his purpose that we may feel the full impact 
of what it means to live by grace and live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk in the spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This walking, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. I want 2021 to be a year of fellowship. I want 2021 to be a year of unity. I want 2021 to be a year of coming together. I want 2021 to be a time when God's people embrace one another and embrace the church and embrace this mystical union that we call the ecclesia, the called out ones, that it's time for the church to be the church because we cannot witness to this world unless we have fellowship and we have love one for another. The one thing that signals to the world that we're serious about this thing called faith in Christ is the love that we have one for another. By this, Jesus said, by this. Are you listening? Got your ears on. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Could I tell you across the board, the church is miserably failing that test. Because as a whole, the body of Christ is divided. As a whole, the body of Christ is just like our culture. Everyone seeking his own. It's time for the church to abandon that individualism and to abandon that me first notion and embrace the idea that we're all in this together, that we're brothers and sisters, we're family and that we need to join together as one in Christ and give a one message to the world, that Jesus is right for whatever is wrong. And you can't do that from a platform of divisiveness and ill will. Amen, 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 amen. I'll just amen my own preaching. <laughs> Unity should be our goal in 2020. We've got to do a better job at that. I said, we've got to do a better job of that. Because if we don't, then the world will say, you don't even believe what you preach. The world will look at the church and say, you don't even believe that stuff yourself. And this Bible says, if there is no grace appropriated by us, one to another, he said, then there's no forgiveness for us. He said, if, if you cannot forgive, your brother, whom you have seen, if you cannot appropriate grace to a sister whom you know and have seen, how can you say you know a God whom you have not seen? How can you say you're in relationship with a God whom you have not seen if you cannot operate the tenets of your faith with people that you have seen? That's a big question. And the world scratches its head at us and says, what's going on here? What's going on here? You say you've got a Holy Ghost that leads you and guides you into all the truth. You say that you've got a Holy Spirit in you that gives you peace, a strength, and an energy 
to serve the Lord. The world is looking for some evidence. If we were tried in the courtroom of what the world thinks of us, could we be convicted? Is there enough evidence to convict us that we're the people of God? Is there enough evidence? Is there anything out there that would convict us for being the people of God? And what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, we've got to do a better job at that. We've got to do a better job at that. We've got to be more diligent about the tenets of our faith. And 2021 needs to be a year of rededication. It needs to be a, a year of, of thoughtful prayer and thoughtful evaluation. If we're going to be the church, we've got to make a decision once and for all that we need to be the church of the living God in this world. And that this church, to regain its testimony and to regain its witness and to regain its effectiveness in this world, we've got to be faithful at what we say we believe. That's good preaching. So this first Sunday of the new year, it's a solemn and a joyous time, but it's a time of opportunity. It's a time for us to make decisions and to make commitments about what we really feel like is important. 2021, well, we've entered into another decade. Already two decades have gone since we passed the millennium. And what a milepost that was. Can you agree with me that everything has changed since 2000? Boy, what a milepost that was. But I didn't think that was going to be that significant as it has turned out to be. And what we look like today as opposed to what we looked like 20 years ago. Boy, grossly different. Amen. We used to wear watches. We now carry devices. We used to wonder what the news was. Now we look at it and see it as it happens. We used to wonder what was happening on the other side of the world, and we can sit now and watch live what's happening on the other side of the globe. How many thousand satellites and are in the orbit now around the world informing us, and we've got information at our fingertips now? What a world this is that we have come to live in. But how has it changed the church? Instead of doing better job at what we do, we have come into conflict and we're seeking for, how do you say it, equal time with people? That we're struggling now to be as entertaining as the device people carry in their hands. You see that little light on that thing? It shines up in your face when you're looking at it. When I'm preaching and I see faces lit up all over the congregation, <laughs> and what are we really saying by that? Are we saying, uh, you're, you're past time for my attention span, I've, I've left you. I'm on to something else. This, this, is, this is more entertaining for me than what you're saying. 
We can never allow our culture to take away from who we are in God. We can never let our culture take away from our influence as the people of God. Because what, what we say to the world is so important. There's what he calls the Great Commission. One pastor said, well, the Great Commission has become the Great Omission. Because things that we used to take as the way we've got to live our life have now become optional. And some have settled for an online experience. And I know we're in a certain circumstance, and I'm not saying anything about people who are watching by line. But if we're not very careful, we will lessen our appreciation for coming together as the body of Christ. If we're not very careful, we'll feel like it's all right not to come together. And the Bible will never give us permission to alter what God has said. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. God has determined in the Word, if there's anything in the New Testament that is crystal clear, it's the fact that God looks at the church as the extension of His grace, that He has given a great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He wants this to become personal. He wants it to become so personal that we embrace that commission as God empowering us to be His hand extended to be God's voice extended, that's what the church is to be and what it's to become. It must be about the Lord's business like Jesus said he was, about the Lord's business. In fact, if we're not doing what Jesus would be doing if he was here, then we have no right to call ourselves the church. We must be doing what Jesus would be doing if he was here. Because he said, I'm going to the Father. But he said, I'm going to pray the Father. And I'm going to pray the Father that he would send you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Did you get that? You can't purchase God's Holy Ghost power, which the world cannot receive. There's no place you can barter for it. You can tra can't trade for it. You can't do anything to uh, uh, receive His Spirit other than to come God's way. And the Bible said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Lord God give the Holy Spirit to them that love Him and them that obey Him? <laughs> Hallelujah. And that brings me to another point. We have got to become more dependent upon the Spirit of God in 2021. I think we have trusted in gizmos and gadgets and those kind of things so much to instantly produce. And you can go to these meetings all over the place and be schooled on how to grow a church how your church can do this, how to do that, this model, that model, this model, this example, this mode, and you can go through all of that. But let me tell you, it's right here in Acts of the Apostles. If you want a blueprint and you want a study on how to grow a church, the Bible said the Word of God grew mightily and prevailed and the number of disciples increased. 
Well, right there, Acts 4 and 4, that just hits it right on the, on the nail head, doesn't it? You want your church to grow, then the Word of God was multiplied and increased. The Word of God was preached and the number of disciples increased. How is there this correlation between preaching the Word of God and the number of disciples increasing? I want to tell you, God put in every heart a hunger to hear the message. And you can obscure that message by all kind of tapestry. But the heart of everything we do is get the Word of God to every available person by every available means at every available time. That's how you grow a church. Let me tell you, for harvest, the greatest thing we can do is be a New Testament church. Be a New Testament church. Be a New Testament church. A New Testament church. What's the New Testament church look like? Well, after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John went up to the temple to pray. And the Bible said as they were going up to the temple to pray, the Bible said they met a man who was lame on his feet, and he was begging alms outside the gate. And he said to Peter and John as they were approaching the temple, alms, alms. Now listen, those guys had gone by that man many, many times. He had stuck his cup up to them a lot of times. Anybody hearing me? But after he come down from the upper room, after he received this Holy Spirit anointing, he saw things and he saw people that he'd never seen before. He gave attention. No doubt Jesus had walked by that same guy. But somehow this guy, he reached his cup up and he said to Peter, Alms, alms. And Peter, the Bible said, looked upon him having compassion upon him. Having compassion upon him. And he turned aside and he said, Sir, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible said, and he immediately leaping up stood. And he went his way into the temple, leaping and rejoicing and praising God. You see, when he was sitting outside the temple, he could hear the worship, but he couldn't participate because he couldn't get inside. But after he received what silver and gold could not provide and he received his healing touch, he became a worshiper. Can you imagine what it was like in the house of God when this man came in leaping and rejoicing and praising God? I know some churches where he would not have been welcome. I know some churches where they would have stopped him at the door. I know some churches where they would have told him and rebuked him and corrected him and told him, don't ever come back. Don't look at me like that. You see, when you put a muzzle on praise and when you call praise and worship out of order, when you call praise and worship an interruption, when you call praise and worship we don't have time for, 
Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Men ought always to pray and not faint, not cave in. Hey, I thank God that we have a Pentecostal background. I thank God that we were born in a fire. I thank God that we were born in an inferno. Hallelujah. And the fire of Pentecost is so important to us. It's so important to what we do and who we are. If we're not going to be Pentecostal and we're not going to have the power of the Holy Spirit, then take the shingle down. Take the shingle down. We need to be people that are dependent upon the Holy Spirit and live by the Holy Spirit. Revelation 21 and 5. And he that sat upon the throne said this, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now who's speaking here? God. I. Who is the I? He's the sovereign one. He's the divine one. He's the maker. I said he's the maker. He's the one that made it all. And the maker is now saying, Behold, I make, I make the sovereign God, the almighty God, creator God, the maker God says, Behold, stop, take notice, give attention, be alert, behold, behold. I want to tell you when God speaks, you need to behold. I'm telling you when God says, I'm going to do something, you need to give ear. You need to attend, quit ever what you're doing and say, God, let me listen to what you're fixing to do. God said, behold, I, I, it is thou that hast made us and not we ourselves. Job said, he is my maker. He is my almighty God. He is the creator God. Hey, you are wondrously and immaculately made. I'm glad God made you. When God looked at Adam, the Bible said he made Adam. He made man. I said, he made man. He made all things. In fact, the Bible says in Colossians that all things, somebody say all things, were made by him. And that all things consist by the word of his mouth. That everything, the moon hangs on the word of God. The sun shines on the Word of God. The winds blow on the Word of God. Waves lap up on the beach by the Word of God. The sun comes up and the sun sets by the Word of God. All things consist by the Word of His mouth. He's the maker. I, I make, make, I make. Aren't you glad he's the maker? He's the way maker. I said he's the way maker. Has he made a way for you? Has the way maker ever delivered you? Has the way maker ever made a way for you? Behold, I make all things. All things. Big things, little things. 
I make all things. Whatever I put my hand to, God said, I make it. I can make it any way I want it because I'm the maker. I choose, though, not to make it old. And I choose not to make it ugly, but I make all things new. Praise God. Old things are passed away. Old things are forgotten. Old things are buried. Old things are filed away and put away from you. God said, I will throw them behind my back. Praise God. God is a God that's interested in what do we do now? Where do we go from here? God's interested in the future. He's interested in you. He's interested in your home. He's interested in your family. He wants to know today, where are we going with this? God says, I'm going to do something new. I want you to be a part of something that is new. He that sat upon the throne said, I'll make all things new. And he said, write this down, John, because these words are true and they are faithful. Hallelujah. In other words, when he said all things, he said there's nothing outside the circle. Nothing outside the circle. All things are in the circle. Hallelujah. And he said everything that's in the circle is things I made and things I control, and things that I've got my hand upon, and there are things that I monitor, and there are things that I motivate, and there are things that I move, and all things are in that circle. Glory to God. Your needs are in that circle. Your diseases are in that circle. Your sins are in that circle. All of your frustrations are in that circle. Everything is in that circle. God says, I'm in charge of and I control all things. All things. All things. He makes all things new. I'm going to start preaching a series of messages about the all things new that God makes. All things new that he makes. The first will be next Sunday. It's about a, a new and living way. A new and living way. Why? Because the old way is done away with. The whole fourth chapter of Romans is about the old way. The old Levitical system. The old way of forgiveness. The old way of righteousness. The old way. But the Bible said, He has crafted for us a new and a living way. See, there was a time when we really needed something new because we were strapped with a works righteousness. The Bible said that can never take away sin. Never. It could never, ever take away sin. It was a law-keeping thing where you keep commandments. No way you could keep from breaking commandments. So every year you'd bring you a goat or a bull or a heifer or a lamb or a pigeon or a dove and you would offer it. It would shed its blood for all of your breaches of the law for that year. One time a year was the day of atonement, the day of Purim. And on that day you had to bring your sin offering 
There was even a goat that was released into the wilderness that's called the what, Don? Scapegoat. You know what he went into the wilderness for? Because he was the one that took away the sins and wandered off into the wilderness. The scapegoat. Wow. You're going to learn these next few weeks about salvation and redemption and redemptive activity. But I want to tell you in the very outset of it, it's all God's idea. All of it is initiated by God, not by man. Grace is God's idea. Forgiveness is God's idea. Let me tell you one little parcel before I let you go. Over in Ezekiel, Ezekiel described us. You know what he called us when he looked into salvation and looked into redemption? He called us an abandoned infant that were cast upon a rubbish pile with no swaddling clothes and no milk was just abandoned. Can I tell you, is there anything more helpless than a baby with no clothes thrown on a garbage pile and abandoned? Well, that's what Ezekiel said you were before Jesus came and found you. Wow. When Jesus came and found us, He found us, the Bible said, polluted. He found us depraved. He found us lost. He found us having no hope and without God. And I love it. You can stand if you want. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, But God... But God, play real softly, honey. But God, but God. And how do you describe God? If you were going to describe God, what would you say about God? Well, He's the Creator God. He spoke the world into existence. How would you describe God? If someone asked you for the first time, what do you know about God? Oh, man, He made everything. What would you say about God? When Paul said, let me describe God to you, he said, but God, who is rich in mercy. Who is rich in mercy. God, who is rich in mercy. With His great love. With His great love. With His great love. Even while we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. Quicken, does that mean a jerk? No, that means you come alive. How did I get dead, Pastor? When God judged the sin of Adam, death came upon all the world. By one man's disobedience, death came. Sin entered in and death by sin. But by one man, but by one man's obedience, Salvation and grace was given to all. Aren't you glad that God so loved the world that he decided I'm going to do a new thing? I'm going to do a new thing. I've got an old covenant here, but I'm going to do a new covenant. Prophets, 
You tell about a time when there's going to be a, a, a new thing. Ezekiel, you tell them about that baby, but don't forget to tell them about the Savior who walks by. Isaiah, you talk to him about a child that would be given, and he said, his name's Emmanuel, which means God with us. Micah, you tell him about Bethlehem, where he's going to be born. You prophets, tell about this new thing I'm going to do. Aren't you glad today you're part of the new thing that God is doing? that God is doing, this new and living way. And then Paul says in that, that same scripture, he said, therefore, why is that therefore, therefore? It means because of what I've just said. Therefore, let us draw near unto God. Let us in 2021 determine, I'm going to do what the Bible says, I'm going to draw near to God draw near to God. Here's the result of that. Draw nigh unto me, God says, and I will draw nigh unto you. So if you're telling me today you want to get closer to God in 2021, I want to tell you get ready for God to get close to you. I want to tell you if you want more of God, get ready for God to get close to you. Because when you draw near to him, he's going to respond by getting near to you. Are you ready for God to come close? Are you ready for God to meet you there? Are you ready for God to have an encounter with you? Are you ready for that encounter? Would you welcome it today? Would you say, oh, come, God. Oh, come, Holy Spirit. Oh, come, Savior. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Oh, come. I believe that should be our prayer, and I believe it is. And hey, you've heard a sample of what I'm going to be preaching like in 2021. We need to draw near. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for those people that are watching online today. I thank you for this spiritual union that I feel with them right now. And I thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord that has gone forth and has told us what you expect in 2021. As we start upon this new path and preach about new things and a God who said, I'm going to make all things new, then God, I want you to touch our hearts and help us to embrace the change that we come out of the old and we walk into the new, that we come out of some old things that have held us in bondage and we enter into the liberty of the Lord, the old things that have shaped us and molded us into a time when we're going to be clay in the potter's hand. God, I thank you for an opportunity like 2021. And I want to tell this church today that I'm looking for you to come this coming year. In fact, I'm looking for you to come today. If you don't come today, Lord, I'm going to look for you to come tonight. And if you don't come tonight, Lord, I'm going to get up in the morning looking toward the eastern skies, anticipating your return. Because you said unto them that look for him shall he appear. God, let this church be a looking for Jesus church. Lord, let these people in this uh, body of faith that we call Harvest, let them be people that are looking for Jesus. Let them be people that are talking about Jesus. Let them be people that are sharing Jesus. For you said if you be lifted up, you'll draw people to you. Touch us, O oh Lord, as we exit these doors to be the church in the world. Salt and light, be with us. Keep us from harm and danger. In Jesus' name, amen.